right, everybody, as Trey Martin said, we have Robert Morrison here representing Everton, also representing Carolina Toffees. Isn't that right, Robert? Yes, sir, that's correct. Awesome. Now, to talk about Everton here, 9-2-5 and five on 29 points. Um, you started really flashy. I think you caught everyone's eye in the Premier League. Um, I want to kind of talk about Do- Dominic Calvert-Loon real quick. Had a great season so far. Had some nice England call-ups and scored on his debut for the Three Lions. Uh, how have you seen him uh, change in the past, really, couple months? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is just him having the opportunities, um, having players on, on, on the pitch elsewhere who can provide him with opportunities uh, to score. Um, I, I think – He's always shown the ability to get the ball in the net when given the opportunity to do so. Um, I mean, certainly he's improved, you know, in his in his finishing to a certain extent this season as well. But I think the biggest thing is having a guy like like Thomas Rodriguez out there to <laughs> to give you the ball, which helps a lot. Um, and I think you've noticed that over the last several matches that his ability to to score has diminished with with guys like Rodriguez and Luka Dean not being out there. It's like okay, well now we don't have the the quite the quality of of of, of balls coming into the into the, the penalty area, and that has diminished his ability to score. And so I think um, I think that's the type of player that he is, and he's taken advantage of the opportunities when they've been there. Uh, Robert, something that I think I've seen from Everton this year, especially um, under new manager uh, Ancelotti, uh, they no longer really look like a club where they're just going to sell players um, and they, they look like a club where they want to try to attract bigger players to come and, and stay for more money. So uh, specifically like Thomas Rodriguez. So uh, where do you think Everton could go to maybe even take that next step? Um, because it looks like they're knocking on the door right now. Um. I mean, I mean, nothing, I think, yeah, like you say, using the, the fact that we have a, a world-class well-known manager, I think is the, the big thing. And, and the fact that he, that we're, you know, getting linked to, to, to bigger names and, you know, the ability, as you said, to bring in a guy of, of Hamas Rodriguez is not only his skill and, and, and class, but the fact that he's so well-known throughout the world as just, you know, just for the fact that, he is who he is kind of thing. And I think that's really helpful in using uh, Ancelotti's ability to bring in players um, will hopefully be, be key. Um, and then from there, you build on that. And hopefully this season is an opportunity to uh, get into a European competition. Um, I wouldn't be so bold as to say the Champions League necessarily, but certainly to get into, into Europe, um, into the Euro- Europa League and um, and to build depth. Um, I think one thing that we have noticed over the last month or so is that injuries have been just killer to this squad that um, our starting 11, our best starting 11 can, can compete with, with most of the teams in the league, but you lose one player, you lose two players and it suddenly starts to go, okay, well, the guys that we have (laughs) coming in to back them up are not of nearly that same quality. And that's been a problem. And so I'm hoping that, um, whether there be, you know, short-term answers. Um, I think that's one of the things I've noticed, um, especially last transfer window, is that the guys that we did bring in were, were not younger players necessarily outside of Ben Godfrey, who is a, a younger kid who's, who's going to have an opportunity to be with the team for a long time. But 
Rodriguez is, you know, pushing 30. Alana is pushing, pushing 30. Um, I think Abdullah Decore is a little younger, but not, not, not like in his early 20s like Godfrey is. And I think um, hopefully the, the plan there is let's build this team right now, which will then attract higher quality, younger players that can hopefully build this into like a, we don't want this to be a flash in the pan, kind of like, okay, we got better for a couple of years and then it kind of went back to mid table stuff. So I think that's, that's the overall uh, direction I'd like to see them go, especially as they start to talk about moving into a new stadium and, and, and all the things that, that will come with that as well. All right. Um, so your rivals are doing well. You brought in a top class manager. Your team is performing very well. I think you got some really solid players. How much pressure is on Everton to make to take that step up and be one of the elite in the Premier League? I mean, I think the the pressure is real. I think having Liverpool uh, having won the league and and the fact that they like to talk about how they won the league and they'll probably continue to talk about it forever and ever. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 on some level, I can't blame them. I feel like the, the same would be happening for, for, for anybody. And, you know, once uh, Everton gets a chance to break this, this massive uh, trophy drought, for example, I think that's going to be a, a huge stepping point. But um I mean, to one extent, you, you want to say, well, let's not worry too much about what Liverpool is doing um, and just kind of play your own game and, and do what you have to do. But I think the fact that they are so close to to each other in, in a physical distance um, and also at this particular point in terms of the competition, um, again, I, do, I, don't, I don't expect as wide open as this season is and as bizarre as this season is, has been um, and will continue to be, I don't don't want to to make any declarative statement about our opportunity to go after the league necessarily. Um, but one thing that has been a, a struggle for the for Everton over the last couple of years and, and with the last couple of managers is um, is really competing with these so-called top six sides and having one, you know, half a mile away really I think ups the pressure in that regard. And Liverpool is one of the many teams that they have to figure out how to to get consistent results against um, and to be able to go in and say, Hey, we, we have just as much talent as you do um, in certain spaces. And in some cases, even better talent, depending on what you want to look at. Um, but I think the, the pressure is there, but I think um, it's more about figuring out. It, it's not necessarily about, you know, how do we take Liverpool down? It's how we take all of the top squads out and, and, and have an opportunity to, to be consistent. Cause you can't, I mean, you can't win the league just beating teams below you. You have to make an opportunity to – you have to be better than the teams around you and possibly above you. So I think that's the key. Yeah, no doubt that uh, winning points with uh, sides close around the table really does help get a club even one or two positions higher at the end of the season and during the season. So at the end, you know, it's easier to make uh, a couple results go in your favor to get into that Champions League Europa League spot. Robert, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a good day um, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody. So coming in to represent Chelsea is Ollie Wilson from Surrey, England. Let's see how Ollie's doing. All right, Ollie, how you doing, man? Good, thank you. How are you? 
Doing well, doing well. You didn't have to wear all that Stone Island today to flex on us, all right? But I guess you, I guess you decided to. Um, well, what else are they going to do over there in England? I mean, you, they're all in lockdown again. I guess, I guess there's nothing else to do but, you know, put, up, put on your uh, Sunday vest and all that. Um, no, I, just, I, was, I just been out. I was come back. I was meant for a walk. Okay, all right. All right. Uh, we'll accept it. We'll accept that answer. Um, Ollie, I'm personally puzzled with your club, and you probably are personally puzzled as well. So I kind of just want to know what the biggest issue in your mind is because there seem to be a lot of them, and it doesn't really add up because there's so much great talent at the club. But go ahead. Um, the last year, we were, I think we were three or five points better off at this stage last year than we are this year. And I think we've got too much now to the point where we don't know who to play. Like last year, we knew nine or ten of the starting 11 before the game kicked off. But this year, we could have three different strikers, four different wingers, five different midfield combinations. The defence and goalkeeper is picking itself at the moment, uh, minus injuries. And Thiago Silva, if it's after an international break, might not play because of travel because he's gone to Brazil. But I think in terms of the front three and the midfield three, we actually don't know who's going to play each week, and there's no consistency. Terry and Trey? Well, um, I was just going to ask, um, you, you mentioned how last season you knew kind of what to expect, and this year you have a lot more options. How much do you trust Lampard to, you know, deal with those options going forward because last year it was kind of like a, oh you get to experiment you get to find your footing um are, are you still giving him a time frame or, or or do you feel like he needs to be showing some better results here soon um I've I've, I've been reading that we he always had a two-year plan so last season this season and then we'd start to look our best you can't really say, oh, it's not working, get him out. Because he's brought in seven, maybe, players. Just, they're not all, it's not like FIFA. You can't just put seven players in a team and it's going to work. It takes time. And players like Ziyech has been injured, so he's only played here and there. The defence has done well uh, in terms of Silva coming in and Chilwell. Reese James, obviously, we had him last year but didn't play much until the end of the year. Um, Havertz has obviously struggled um, we don't know what happened with Covid etc and how much of an effect that's had on him and he wasn't really being played in his right position which could be the manager's fault but you've got to trust what he's thinking because he doesn't pick a team thinking it's not going to work, he picks what he thinks works and he obviously sees a lot in training that we don't and then Werner started well he's going through a bit of a spell but again he was playing out wide so I don't really because Pudisic, Hudson and Dorian Ziyech were injured so it's it's been tough and there's been a lot of challenges I don't think it's been as bad as everyone's making it out to be. Who do you think has been the best Chelsea player so far I know that you you got a lot of players a lot of rotation but of all of that who do you think has stood out to you the most? Uh, I think I think it's simple. I think it's Thiago Silva by a mile. Just the way Kurt Zuma's playing now that he's playing with him. We went through that 17-game unbeaten run, which obviously has come to him recently, but I don't think Thiago Silva's looked bad in any of the games that we've lost. I think he's probably been our best player. And Giroud, when he's played, like when he scored four in the Champions League, 
But again, he's what, 30 odd, 35, I want to say, around that. So, and some games just aren't suited to him, but I would say Thiago Silva. And then Kante at the moment has been playing well, but he kind of gets left on his own in the midfield, especially in the games against um, who did we lose to recently? City. Yeah. But Thiago Silva. I got one more question about Giroud. I'm an Arsenal fan, so I know the yeah. how bad it is to play Giroud in certain games and how good he can be in other games. Would you? He has scored a good many goals for Chelsea so far. Would you like to see him feature more a little bit? Um, yeah, I would. It's tough when you bring in a striker for 50 million and you want him to play through the middle because Werner playing out wide, I think we've all seen is not half the player that he was when we signed him and half the player that we saw in glimpses at the start of the season. So for Giroud to play would mean that Werner probably wouldn't play up front. So it'd be tough, but if he's not playing well, then and Giroud scores when he plays, so I don't see any reason why not. Well, in some sense, it seems like maybe just Frank has too many options at his disposal. Yeah. Um, last question for you, Ollie. Do you think that the age-old Chelsea move of sending players out on loan um, would be wise for maybe some of them that you've just bought who aren't getting a lot of time or not? Um, I think it depends who you're talking about. But the players that who aren't playing as much, uh, Hudson-Odoi, Gilmore, you think? I think they're the main. They're the main two, and I, I personally wouldn't. I think Gilmore is closer to starting for us weekly than I think a lot of people think. So I think. Well, look at Kovacic. He was our Player of the Year last year. He's coming. He's either very good or very bad, and a lot of the time recently, he's been very bad. I don't think Frank trusts him. Because you can't go from being the player of the year to not playing without an ex- without a reason, without an excuse. There would be no hidden reason behind it. So he, like, he clearly just might is not doing as well as people would expected after last season. So I think Frank likes Gilmore. He just came back from knee surgery from the injury at Palace last season. So I think he'll play. And I think at the moment, Hudson Adoy's look every time he plays, especially the last three games, he's looked like the best player on the pitch. So I wouldn't send him out online. I'd keep him. All right. All right. Well, Ollie, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, that's all said with that. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hey, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we can hear you loud and clear. How are you doing? I'm making it. Sorry, I was a little bit late. Uh, let time get away from me there for a second. That's oh, fine. You're fine. As long as you're here, that's all that matters. So, uh, first question, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan as well. That rough patch was rough. How bad did you think that it could possibly get? Happening at the same time that Carolina football was kind of going down the toilet. So it was a real rough stretch for me in general. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been like since the end of the, uh, the winger era, everyone's been talking about like, well, we might as well fire the coach. We might as well do this because it can't get worse. And then suddenly we're like a few points off the relegation zone. So, um, 
yeah, it's been super tough. It's been, uh, uh, it's been, <laughs> thankfully we started to win again, but it got very dark there for a minute. Yeah, uh, one more question for you. And I think it's going to, for me, it's about Mesodozil. Just, just sum up the whole situation with me and just tell me, what do you think about it? I think he's uh, a generational playmaker. I think he's obviously got the talent to be on the field, but um, there's obviously something that, that we don't know about why he's not being included in the team. He's not even a potential sub in these games. He's completely left off the, the roster. It's like the most befuddling thing that I can recall uh, at, in my history of being an Arsenal fan because uh, he offers a skill set that we desperately um, need right now. You know, we're, we're, as a team, struggling to create chances. We're struggling for goals. Um, We've got, you know, a couple world-class strikers in Aubameyang and Lacazette that are in desperate need of service, which is exactly what um, what Ozil does. And uh, yet he's not even playing and you know, hasn't even been training with the team recently. So there's obviously something going on behind the scenes, whether it has to do with, um, you know, political statements he's made or his lack of effort in training. It, it's just, it's really bizarre. Uh, and I'd, I keep waiting for some enterprising journalist to be the first to break the, the real story of what's going on there. And so far it's amazing that no one has. Avery, um, I am really fascinated by like the idea of coaching trees across sports. Um, and of course we know Arteta learned from Pep Guardiola. I'm a Man City fan. Um, and I haven't really paid too much attention to Arsenal this season. Do you feel like, Arteta might be trying to take a different style that he's learned and, and put it in place at Arsenal, but it might just not work there. It might be a case where he, he might need to try to come up with some of his own things that might be different than what he learned from Pep. It's a good question. I mean, one of the only critiques of Pep Guardiola is that, um, you know, he's, he's obviously got this system, but he's only ever had to make it work at teams like Barcelona and Bayern and Manchester City, teams that can buy the players necessary to do that. You know, it's a system where everybody on the field uh, feels very comfortable with the ball at their feet. Um, you know, he requires very specific types of players. Um, and when they don't have them, they, you know, Man City can just go out and, and buy them. Uh, Arsenal is not in that situation uh, because of, years of really poor squad building, um, poor contracts. Um, uh, you know, we are at a point where we don't have a lot of money to spend in any of these transfer windows. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think Arteta does need to, uh, I, I think he has recognized the limitations of the squad he's got. And I think he's done a good job of taking players like Granit Xhaka, Danny Ceballos, um, uh, Mohamed Elneny, players that the fan base had, essentially written off before he arrived and giving them structure. Um, I think when, before he arrived, Arsenal was really porous in defense. It was tough to watch them play because, you know, they could go up 2-0 and um, you still couldn't feel like the game was in hand because, uh, you know, the defense was slow. It was unstructured. Counterattacks were uh, terrifying to watch against us. Um, and, and basically what Arteta's done is he's come in, he's, 
made that defense really rigid. Uh, you know, we've kept a lot of clean sheets. Um, and, uh, you know, there's not, we don't give up as many chances and we don't, you know, we mark a whole lot better. There's still some instances where individual poor defending has come back to haunt us, but it's not a structural issue anymore. But in doing so, we've given up a lot of our attacking identity. We don't play the same free-flowing winger ball that we did, you know, in years past. And I, I think Arteta needs to find a way, maybe it's just with replacing some of these guys with players that, that he prefers, uh, but we've got to find a way to get that sort of offensive identity back because uh, we look lost out there a lot of the times now. I'll mention the name of a winger, Thomas Partey, uh, who only has five appearances this season. That guy's stock really rose at Atleti, and he was someone who came off the bench a lot for them in the Champions League when I watched Atleti play and was a very quality winger, solid player. Do you think he's part of the answer? Uh, it's so puzzling to me why he's not getting more playing time. Yeah, he, you know, he's been injured. The The games that he did play for Arsenal, uh, you know, the few games where he actually played the full 90, he was dynamic. I mean, he there. I, I remember watching a, one of the night games they played where he um, lost the ball and, um, you know, just basically ran down, the, you know, the person who had it and, and took it right back all, all within a few seconds. He's, uh, he's exactly what Arsenal has needed in defense. I know there was a lot of consternation about whether they should pay up for him. Uh, and, you know, when we do get him back, hopefully soon, it'll be like a new signing because, you know, with, with the late transfer window, I think he was signed in October. Uh, he came on and like with a, a minute or two to go in one appearance. Uh, he's played some, some meaningless games, you know, cup ties, things like that. Uh, so we really haven't gotten to see much of him um, because of his various injuries that have kept him out. Um, and you could say maybe Arsenal managed his his fitness uh, inappropriately and, and maybe we're too desperate to get him out there. Uh, but I, I think when he does get back, he's going to he's gonna really rejuvenate that midfield that, that hasn't been great this year. Um, so I, I'm excited for him to get back, and I'm, I think it'll feel like a, a new signing when he actually does. Yeah, I forgot he was injured um, and all that. A um, couple more things. There are so many headlines for this club, in my opinion. Uh, Terry, you have bemoaned William Saliba's loan, and there's a whole saga with him that has so many twists and turns, I can't even believe it. He's at Nice right now. Um, and then you were unhappy he started the first match. Um, he was straight into the team. Um, and then also, you know, Avery, there's so much young talent at the club Florian Balogun, Bukayo Saka, Eddie Nketiah, Reese Nelson, Joe Willock, and Emil Smith-Rowe, who we saw play against, uh, I believe it was um, Everton. What, I'm going to stick with Saliba first. Uh, what puzzles you about um, him for uh, Terry and for Avery? You want to go first, Terry? Or I can take it. It's up to you. Sure. Uh, I'll just say something. It's just the lack of transparency, I guess. I don't really expect much transparency from Arsenal, but it's it's just been a mystery. I feel like that a lot of the things that have been going on are a mystery, like with Mesut Ozil, William Saliba, just we don't know. And then right when we loan him out to Nice, a couple of days later, first game for Nice, he's in the squad. So I, I just, I don't know. It's just puzzling to me. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the fan base got maybe unreasonably excited about him um, because we paid $27, 28000000 million for him, um, you know, and he, he's 
tall, he's big, uh, he's athletic. Yeah, he's got everything you want in, in a center back. And, it, you know, the idea was to pair him with Gabrielle in the back for the future. Um, and it's just bizarre the way he's been handled. And I think this is one major critique I have of, of Arteta is that he has these non-negotiables. He expects you to exert a certain level of effort. He expects you to do certain things the way you conduct yourself on and off the field. And if you don't meet those, he kind of just freezes you out. Um, I, I think some players need a different kind of approach than that. Maybe they need more of an arm around the shoulder than just that kind of tough love approach. But some of the players that have been alienated by that uh, are people that are really important to uh, not, not just to the way the team plays, but, but also the fact that we need to get value out of them in the transfer market. Um, Mesut Ozil is the highest paid player on the squad and he hasn't played in like a year. Um, uh, and, and he's going to have no value to us when he leaves. We're not going to be able to sell him. Um, uh, uh, Matteo Guendouzi, uh, you know, he had that one incident against Brighton during Project Restart and hasn't played for us since and has been loaned out. Uh, Lucas Torreira has been loaned out because he wasn't getting any playing time. Uh, Socrates was brought in in a questionable move from uh, Dortmund. He didn't fit into what uh, Arteta wants from his defenders, and he hasn't played. He's been dropped. He's playing with the U23 team, I think. Uh, it's just amazing. The, you know, we have a bloated squad. That's true. But the number of people that are here on, um, you know, at Arsenal on these on these big contracts and are just getting no playing time and their their value is withering away. It's just not good business because when you do want to move those players on, it's hard to sell them for any. You know, it's hard to recoup the money you spent on them in the transfer market. So is it time to turn to some of those youth kids and say that this is your big chance? Kind of, kind of like all did at United, just bring in more of the youth players and integrate them more frequently. I think there's no surprise that uh, this recent run of three wins has come when Arteta just benched some of the guys who weren't performing, like like William, uh, and you know allowed Emil Smith Rowe to play. Um, you know, putting in guys like Joe Willick. Uh, Saka has been playing outstanding from the right wing in lieu of uh, Nicola Pepe. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, one answer, I, I know Arsenal's in the market for a creative midfielder and may not have enough money to buy him, but why not play um, Emil Smith-Rowe? Why not play Joe Willick? Uh, as far as the Premier League goes, the season is shot. We're not making top four. We're probably not making top six. I know it's still a compressed table, but, um, you know, it seems like the best opportunity to get into Europe next year is to try to win the Europa League. Uh, or, to, or to try to win, you know, the FA Cup. I, I think it's, you know, uh, if we're not going to spend the money to bring in somebody who can who can play right now, I think the answer is to to give those younger players more playing time. Gotcha, gotcha. Trey Martin, you sent us a cheeky meme yesterday that involves something related to Arsenal. Um, how about you talk about that real quick? Because uh, Terry hated it. I loved it. Um, maybe Avery's seen it. <laughs> oh, it was just uh it was Arsenal fan TV outside of the US Capitol um on Wednesday trying to uh I guess cover some of the events. Uh but yeah, I I just thought it was funny. I I really just sent it to kind of pick on TC a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not a fan of Arsenal fan TV in general. I just <laughs> I just don't like that we it, they're just annoying. They're toxic, and I don't like them. Point to to toxic is the right word. That's exactly what they are. I don't think I can – I think I get nauseous every time I look at troops and DT and everything, and then 
and then and then Robbie's teeth are just disgusting. Um, but it's just it, it, it's so it's such a shame. I didn't even know Troops got uh, a gig with Barstool over here, which I was just like, that's that's so they they took they took such a terrible. Um, I don't know. He, I guess they. I guess it's ratings. I guess Dave Portnoy wants ratings, but hey, it was. Uh, it was. <laughs> it's just we're fun. we're talking about Arsenal fan TV though, so I guess it's uh they they got what they wanted. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, a club that has such a, a Arsenal was such a quiet club, you know, five years ago. They weren't that loud as far as drama going on but maybe what we're speaking to today indicates that the board and the people in the front room staff are like you're saying not very transparent and maybe not the right fit for the club so any last thoughts from the two Arsenal fans here I think you just got to back Arteta right now I think there's been too much uh too much commotion too much change uh since winger left um uh, we've lost, uh, hired and lost so many executives and, um, uh, uh, you know, coaches. There's just been so much turnover that um, I, I think it's time to, I think Arteta's got the right vision for the team. We just need to back him with both time and, and money. All right. Well, Avery, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it um, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank thanks you. for having me. Thank you. Good luck with the podcast, guys. Thank you.